It's a podcast. Yay. <laughs> Welcome to episode two of Indie Games Indeed by Ghost Volta. I'm Molly. And I'm Josh. And uh, hopefully the audio pulls through this time. We've had a couple of um, technical difficulties, but uh, this probably will be a shorter podcast just because we've got packs going on next week. I mean, we're not going there, but... We're already making cutbacks. <laughs> um, but that's kind of like a lull just before PAX. Um, well, then Gamescom just came by, but Gamescom seemed kind of tame in terms of indies. Yeah, I didn't. What I've much. gathered. Well, first, let's do some. Uh, let's do some housekeeping. We are uh, officially on iTunes, so if you uh, search indie games, uh, indeed, or just indie games, you can uh, browse through there, and you'll see our podcast, which is really exciting. Way and way, um, way down the list. <laughs> um. I mean, we're pretty up there. It's nice. I'm still working on some of the other um, alternatives to that because we have to kind of like submit it and make a case for our podcast, essentially. So those are taking a little bit longer. Cool. But I'll be working on like TuneIn and uh, Pocket Casts and um, there are a couple others that I'll I'll be submitting to so that uh, we can be on there. But we're also on SoundCloud still. So that will always be your consistent basis no matter what. I pretty much um, listen to all my podcasts, I think, on iTunes. Yeah. That's just my source. I don't know why. It's easy. Um, well, you have, well, you have an iPhone, right? Yeah, that's that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Good point. Could be it. <laughs> I yeah, I use Pocket Casts for my Android and I really like it. Yeah. Dumb iPhone people. Can't leave our <laughs> we can't leave our little safe universe. <laughs> Um, so speaking of, uh, packs, uh, there, we've got, uh, some cool news from Nintendo for, uh, for packs. They're going to be hosting an indie games event at packs. Uh, they're calling it Nindies at night. So Nintendo Indies are now Nindies. The event will start at 8 PM Pacific time on August 27th. And that'll be the Thursday evening before packs prime. So if you're in Seattle, it's free. You can, yeah, you can head over to the EMP Museum in Seattle, and uh, it's first come, first serve. And they'll show you some of the uh, upcoming indie games on Wii U and 3DS. And it's interesting because I feel like if there's any platform that would do best with indie games, it would be a Nintendo platform. I don't know why. You, I just feel like that's a market they haven't hashed into yet. They haven't tapped into it at all. They just need a... They need a really upgrade their network and and make it a lot more, you know, user friendly for yeah. for going online and and playing these things. Yeah, well and I also wonder um I mean because if you think about it, indie games are a huge thing for YouTubers and Nintendo has a very strict yeah. YouTube policy. So I wonder if, you know, if they want to allow CNanners or you know PewDiePie or you know like Rooster Teeth even to be able to to play their games they're going to have to kind of re reevaluate their which is a huge thing because they just released that uh, uh, that Mario Maker game which I I can see it exploding and people just it's already going crazy and and if they limit that and put these restrictions on what people can share what they're doing on YouTube it's not going to fare well with their, yeah. their game. 
I mean, YouTube, it just seems like such a huge source for sharing and, and, and everything. I mean, you know, C-Nanners was one of the reasons that I got into Daisy like way back when, you know, you see these people playing these games that you, you want to play as well. So, you know, that's food for thought, uh, Nintendo, <laughs> but, um, in case you're listening. Yeah. Uh, and also refreshments will be, uh, provided if you, if you end up going. Um, so they've announced that 19 different Nintendo indies, aka Nindies, will be playable and developers will be there to answer questions from fans. Uh, the event will also host some multiplayer competitions for certain games using the EMP Sky Church's 60 foot screen, which would probably be really rad. Um, and on the article that, that we're looking at here, they have a video and, uh, the one, game that they seem to be highlighting in this video is a game that I got to play back at MAGFest earlier this year called uh, Extreme Exorcists or Extreme Exorcism, Extreme Exorcist, no, Extreme Exorcists. Um, I'll link that up in our, uh, our, our link up, but um, that looks like the uh, perfect game for Wii U because it, it's very reminiscent of like a, a Smash Brothers kind of a game. So like, uh, or did you ever play, I think it was it Towerfall Ascension where you could have multiple people playing in like a platform-esque. Yeah, it looks just like that game. Yeah, I played it with a couple of my friends uh, at MAGFest and it was a total blast. I love so that game. I think, uh, I think that game will do really well. Um, so if you like that, definitely be on the lookout for Extreme Exorcist, which again, I'll... Uh, I'll be sure to link up my little write-up on it when I played it at, at MAGFest. So, What's the difference? Is there any difference or just they built upon it or added more to it? Um, I mean, it definitely feels like its own little thing. You play, the the the, the gist of the game is you play as uh, an exorcist and you're going through these different levels and different parts of the, the rooms come to haunt you. But one of the key things is that... Demons be gone! <laughs> <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. I need an old priest and a young priest. Um, but what the really cool mechanic of it is that if you die, so, so they're like weapon drops and stuff. And if you die, that comes back as a ghost to fight against you. So based, and it goes like through all your same moves. So you have to kind of remember what you did to avoid it. Hmm. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah, cool. yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, ghost, ghost, falta. <laughs> <laughs> you got that coincidence i think so um <laughs> uh so yeah that's a pretty cool i mean it's, it's always really cool to see these um bigger companies try to embrace indie games um i i remember i i, I do remember like kind of laughing at when Sp not at spencer but when spencer was saying that ea tried to do some stuff with indies and i feel like EA still has a lot of um, work to do to kind of reestablish this feeling of trust with gamers. So I don't know if indie games are are there for them just yet, but anytime that somebody is helping out people who need it is uh, is a good thing, I think. It just sounds funny. Come play our indie game here at EA. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Nindies just seems like it almost sounds like something you'd say is like an insult. Like, you know, like quit being such a Nindy boy. Quit getting your Nindies in a bunch. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whatever. I mean, it's, it's kind of fun to say. Um, and, and potentially offensive. Who knows? Only time will tell. I'm sure the internet will find, uh, find a reason to get upset about it. But, um, so that's cool. We'll we'll definitely be covering that. We'll uh we'll be paying a little bit closer attention to PAX Prime um with all the indie stuff because 
I know the Indie Mega Booth was also announced. And um, that game that I talked about during the first uh, episode of the podcast was uh, that Dragon Cancer. That will be playable at the Mega Booth at PAX Prime. So I guess it's still in development, which is good. Hmm. Um, that game's, ugh, I feel like that game's just going to be inc- so incredibly emotional. Um, but uh, speaking of helping out indie developers, there's kind of a cool thing started uh, uh, by uh, Brian Fargo, Tim Schaefer, and uh, Fergus Urquhart. Urquhart. Um, uh, Tim Schafer especially should sound familiar to any indie game fan. They, those are some uh, big names. Uh, they're the CEOs of uh, In Exile, uh, Double Fine for Tim Schafer and Obsidian. And um, they just started a new crowdfunding platform called Fig. And it's it's basically like Kickstarter, but specifically for games. So um, it focuses only on games, whereas like Kickstarter, Kickstarter got pretty popular with game development but there are also like comic strips and a lot of it did pretty well for tech ideas too yeah um but no but uh think will just be for for games um but they wanted it to be a little bit different uh is that what it stands for for indie games yeah i was trying to find out I, it maybe that's what it stands for i don't trademark Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it'll it'll be similar to a Kickstarter that you can pledge money and in return you'll get a reward. But the difference is that uh, you can directly invest in the games. Um, and that's I, I think that's in hopes, uh, as the author of the, the article that they were reading off of uh, also thinks this, that that's going to encourage larger sums of money to be donated rather than Kickstarter being a, generally a strictly um, user like a fan base and uh it's 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 a little it's it's different in that uh, i think they'll be focusing on one project at a time whereas kickstarter you can browse you know all the vast number of projects and and give to as many as you want whereas fig i think will be only focusing on one project at a time um let's see here uh Sounds cool. I dig it. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, Unless it like weakens what Kickstarter's doing, you know, when too many things start to happen and, you know, and and, and your focus gets, you know, diverted by, um, you know, too many things going on, uh, too many places to, I guess there can never really be too many places, but I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. So uh, here's, yeah. So uh, it'll only run single campaign at a time um, and they'll alternate between big indies like Obsidian, Double Fine and and Exile. And then, uh, and then also include uh, smaller indies. So Outer Wilds campaign is the first one to be launched. That was launched on Tuesday. Um, And uh, it says each campaign is specially curated by the board. Uh, And, and so I guess that means that everything will kind of be catered to the uniqueness of an individuality of each game. So it's like Kickstarter 2.0 games edition, I guess. So I don't know. I, I, I have to keep an eye I, I mean, on I like Tim Schafer, so I, I want to trust anything that he does. It looks pretty cool. I think it's it'll probably take a little bit to catch on. But looking at, uh, let's see how Outer Wilds is doing. And just to give an idea of what all of the um, uh, rewards are. So it has made $76,655 out of the $125,000 goal. And it has 24 days left. What do they do with seventy six? thousand dollars 
to develop a game. This seems like a lot of money to me. Um, I bet. Let's see if there's a breakdown of it. So, well, well, looking over here on the on the tiers, it's like that's also very similar to Kickstarter, and that you'll get different tiers based on how much you donate. So the first one is twenty. So immediately it starts at a higher base. Whereas, because I, I think Kickstarter is like five bucks, ten bucks, stuff like that. So yeah. it immediately starts at twenty. Uh, you'll get a digital copy of Outer Wilds added to our development, and then you'll get. Uh, get their newsletter. $30 is a digital art book and a thank you. 50, 75, 100, 125. Yeah, these seems like that it focuses on larger donations. Yeah, when you don't have as big a base as Kickstarter, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Let's let's see what it says, um, where it'll go. Oh, oh, I like it. Okay. This is cool. It's it provides the development stage. So like the concept is it, it shows it as a timeline. That's pretty neat. So it shows it as a timeline. So the first timeline was was concept, then prototype. So they're currently in the alpha uh, build, um, and it's still missing the majority of content that the final build will have, and only as has placeholder art. And then so then they'll go. The next step is beta. So that's kind of cool. There's like a um, timeline. To like hold them accountable or just for us just to see what's going on with it? Um, I think a little bit of both. Like I think it kind of shows it, it will keep them accountable because they know that it's on the site. So people are want to see like when will it move from alpha to beta? Now, can you do both if you're a, a game and, you know, whatever said indie game, can you run a Kickstarter campaign and this at the same time? That's a good question. I would I would assume not. Now, what um, would attract you to one place or the other? Are there, um, what's the benefits of going to FIG, would you think? I, I'm asking you like you're an expert. <laughs> I'm just well, spitballing stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, even if you just look at it, like it, it looks like it has a lot of similar attributes as, or not the game, but this, this uh, crowdfunding platform has a lot of similar attributes as Kickstarter, right? Uh-huh. So I'm assuming that it's, you have a month to get the money. They have 24 days left and they've already raised $76,000 in six days. I don't know. It seems like I, I think it's it's because people really have to give a little bit more if they want to help your game. So if the lowest criteria is 20 and to have Tim Schaefer behind your name and, and the uh, I keep saying him because he's the one that I recognize the most. I don't mean I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of people being like, the other guys are cool, too. He's stupid. But um, and, and I think that they 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 hand pick them like I think you can apply to have it featured. OK, so I guess it's like, um, you know, there's this sense of of uh, of specialty. That's I like my guess. It. I like it. It's another way to discover games. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and kind of a, as a talking point, there was an article written for Polygon. It's a big indie Kickstarters are killing actual indies. And I think there was also an article similar to this on Kotaku. There was something about them like gaining all this attention and momentum and then like not actually finishing the game. Um, that's that what definitely it was? a concern. Um, well, I think that like they, they were talking about the actual price oh. of how much games cost to make. And I think the problem is that these uh, companies like Double, Vi- Double Fine, who are indie, but are a little more established, yeah, have a little more money to throw initially. So um, I, th- I, th- I think it was the Kotaku article that said the average game makes about takes about a million dollars to make. If you include like rent, payment, food, all this other stuff to pay for a small a small team of, of developers. I mean, in reality, what are you really paying for? You have, you know, like what was that? What God, what was that game? It was made by like one person, and I mean, it was him. 
you know, and coding, programming in front of the computer. I mean, it's just time, a lot of time. Yeah. And I guess the more people we have, the, the faster you can, you know, speed up that time. But, you know, 70, I guess it's paying for them to live for a year or however long it takes to make. The yeah. Thing. Well, and I think like it's also so if they're like all their money is going into that probably is going into like their personal expenses and then anything extra they're throwing in. So I think like maybe a million dollars may not be accurate, but I think the problem is Double Fine has a little more money to start off with. So let's say it costs, uh, you know, let's like, let's break it down to like a smaller scale. Let's say you and I wanted to make a game and we budgeted $10,000 was what we think it would cost us to make a good game, you know, by buying some of the like equipment and all that stuff, all the software. Yeah. And then we would have to, you and I like got together and said, okay, like this is how much we're going to put forward. <laughs> we have $2,000 that we can, you know, manage and put forward to that $10,000. So we're going to ask for $8,000 on Kickstarter. So that makes, that isn't, that makes that essentially sense. makes people think, oh, it costs $8,000 to make a video game. And that may not be the case. It just depends on how much other people can put forward, essentially. Yeah, but... It, it like blows my mind to think where they get into these realms of like a million dollars or, you know, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. What are they doing with this money? You know, how, I guess how big a team are you getting on this indie game? You know, and, and, and if it's not a big team, I guess, what are you paying for? I just, um, uh, stuff I, uh, you know, think about when, um, I don't know. Here, here's a, a little blurb from, uh, from the author. Her name is uh, Katie Chironis, I think. Sorry if I, if I butchered that Katie. My Sharonis. <laughs> um, the current word of mouth figure used by most developers and publishers to estimate the cost of an average sized game development team is 10,000 per person per month. So that, that number we threw out was actually like relatively accurate. Um, now this is a rough figure. If your studio operates in a major city or you're building the next Assassin's Creed, the cost will be higher. If you're working out of someone's apartment doing 100-hour weeks or living without health care, it'll be lower. But let's stick with this basic figure for now. So yeah, there's definitely, if we wanted to make a pixelated game with, you know, if we wanted to make uh, Thomas Was Alone, that game probably takes less to create. But and that's, no, that's not a knock at Thomas Was Alone by any means. But it just like, graphically, incredible, it's less incredibly trying. Incredible acting on that one. Right. Um, yeah, I could see the other stuff doing that, you know. Yeah. I, I can see that. I, I, I assume I don't think of all these other additional costs like healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which I hate. So yeah, that's that's what so this as you said, but you know, but wait, you cry. Isn't the average game developer's salary around sixty thousand or so? By that number you'd be paying hundred and twenty thousand per person per year. Uh she answers that cry <laughs> with uh that's because the figure above factors in the unseen extras in quotes that go into game development, the cost of rent, equipment, electricity, food and water, taxes, art tablets, software licenses, healthcare, dev kits, outsourcing, marketing, yeah, traveling, yeah, yeah. paying actor and agent fees for voiceover work and, and a myriad of other expenses in, incurred over a game's life cycle. I, an awful lot I already don't want to make a video game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Too we'll expensive. stick to the podcast. I mean, yeah, I mean, even just like, I mean, software licensing alone can probably be incredibly expensive and, and dev kits can be expensive too. Like, wasn't the Google, um, I mean, not that it's technically gaming related, but I mean, it, well, I think they wanted games on Google Glass, but wasn't the Google Glass dev kit like a thousand dollars? Yeah, it's, it was expensive. 
Yeah. And then you've got, uh, I wonder, well, I mean, and that's why, you know, uh, I think ID at Xbox, don't they, they work with you so that you don't have to pay for it. I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. No clue. I'm sure we have an article on it somewhere. Um, here I'm looking at it. I just Googled, uh, average cost of a dev kit for Xbox one. Um, aren't they actual like dev kits, Xbox ones, like all of them? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so they, uh, program enables qualified game developers of all sizes to unleash their creative by self-publishing digital games on Xbox one giving studio. Let's see. So yeah, I think that you can apply and get the dev kit from Microsoft. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not, it's like, Hey, are you applying? And I'm like, Nope. Are we making a video game? <laughs> yeah, I know everybody look out. Um, it's something that I've tried to do and, uh, go figure. It's really freaking hard. I spent a lot of time with, uh, the unreal engine, just, uh, not really making a video game, but I don't know what the hell I was doing. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's something interesting from Eurogamer. Um, ID at Xbox dev reveals cost of launching Xbox one game. He said it costs about 5,143 with the amount broken down as follows. Maintaining the 60 second shooter URL, $19. So, oh my voice just cracked i think i just <laughs> they just what? went through puberty um really break sending <laughs> sending the second dev kit to fellow developer 63 dollars hardware 72 dollars video capture device for making trailer wow so they made their own trailer then 181 dollars localization 700 i don't even know what that freaking means um errors and emissions insurance uh, yeah all that legal stuff i didn't even think about they're just making up stuff now um well, I mean, think about like, you know, like as a business, when, when we have to apply to be like an LLC, you have to pay a certain amount of money for that. And that's like the lowest tier, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, with this, they have to uh, trademark everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that either. So, yeah. What is what is errors and omissions? What does that mean? Errors and omissions insurance? So, okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a professional liability insurance that helps protect professional advice and service providing individuals and companies from bearing the full cost of defending their works. So like, you know, like, what was it? Wasn't, didn't somebody try to sue, was it Battlefield for not being truly one, like 1080p or something like that? Yeah. So I guess that could fall into, I mean, why you would want to sue an indie game is beyond me. But yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot more to it than you would think, or at least than, than I thought. Yeah, very interesting. I don't even, and what is localization? Oh, it's probably like maybe getting the, the captions in different languages. Cause there's it that says in parentheses, it says French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, the love languages, by the way. <laughs> Seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Gross. Does not sound like the fun part <laughs> of making a game. Yeah. Uh, oh, and let's see the last two payments, the ones which make up the bulk of, oh God, this is why you should read before you, you ask questions. Uh, the last two payments make up the bulk of the overall bill are required by Microsoft. The insurance covers the game's intellectual property and copyright protection, while the ratings board certifications are needed for a launch in Europe. Yeah, I didn't even think about the rating boards or the ratings boards like the Peggy 16. And like uh. this game is rated E for everyone. But developers can choose where they want to get their games released in order to lower costs further. So this person that was offering this um, insight said that that they skipped Australian and New Zealand as it would cost them another two thousand dollars. Okay, seventy thousand dollars does not sound like enough now. 
Yeah. Okay. So well, then this, this podcast has done, I think, justice to why it's important to realize that it does take a lot of money to make a game and to market. Well, not just market, but market it, but distribute it. Yeah. The distribution. It's not cheap. If you, if you want, I, I, I wonder how much, but this is through consoles. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's. But that's all indie stuff though that, I mean, it's all online stuff. Even I, I would, I would assume or fair that the things apply the same way on Steam or anywhere yeah. else, you know, yeah. unless you're just doing it, maybe if you don't distribute it through something like that. And if you're just selling it, maybe on your own website, then you don't have to adhere to all this stuff. I don't know. Maybe you just post that stuff on there. And yeah. I, you're buying this no game idea. or downloading it at your own risk. Or Yeah. I'm looking to see how much it costs. I mean, because if you look at AAA games like GTA 5's uh, development and marketing budget that the combined two or the two combined cost $265 million. Jeez. So um, I'm, uh, well, I was trying to find how much it would be for an indie game, but that focused more on like the big titles. So, I mean, obviously those are AAA titles, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. You're like, like you just, like you said, 70,000 doesn't seem as outlandish now as it did prior. That, that article has a lot of good points that Kickstarter kind of can kind of skew how people think ga- games are developed and how much they cost. And then if you don't hit it out of the ballpark with that with that game and make a really good one, it was yeah, all for or, nothing. Yeah, or I mean that that too. But even if you like, if you're super honest and say we need to to make you know forty thousand or we need to make seventy thousand dollars, it's going to make it that much harder to hit your goal. But then, so do you want to like aim high, potentially miss or aim low, make it, but still have to take out loans or whatever, you know, that's good questions, Miss Cushman, Cushington. (laughs) I know I'll have to get in contact with some uh, indie devs and see if we can um, get them to answer some of our questions. But uh, so, so yeah, uh, I'll I'll link all of these articles that that we're reading so that you all can read them as well. They're they're pretty interesting. The Polygon one is is a little bit long, but it's definitely worth the read, I think. And she does a good job at breaking it down into like very simple layman's terms math. I, and that now that we've talked about all that stuff, I wonder how much Fig will help with that. It's another platform, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. If you can get yourself out there on another platform, and if they they're really you know weeding out, it sounds like the the not ready ones, you know, yeah. and and really focusing their attention on the people that you know could possibly have success you know it's a good thing definitely and i think it's it's interesting because people i've i've heard a lot of people talk about like oh it didn't this game didn't make it but all the ones that i've um contributed to on kickstarter have been one of them has already released and like we we got to review it and then another one is actually taking a little bit longer because they got picked up by playstation 4 for their indie stuff it's Uh, hard for me because i'm such an instant gratification type of person yeah and I go well, on there and they're there, you know, when you make a trailer, it's all like, and you know, everything's great. And I'm like, yeah. I want to play this game now. And right. And then it never comes out or, you know, it's like it a takes, year yeah. away. Well, that's what happened with. So like, and that's another thing is like, I felt kind of bad for Tim Schaefer with Broken Age because everyone's like, it's keep It keeps getting pushed back and blah, blah, blah. But that's kind of the thing that happens when it's a smaller development team is, you know, Think of um, the way I think about it is, do I want another Assassin's Creed Unity that's broken when it gets pushed out? Or do I want to wait a year and have a game that is finalized and like gone through, you know, the whole the whole thing and it has gotten the most bugs out of it as possible? Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, it's it's hard to figure out the time cycles for, you know, indie games and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it comes down to marketing too. Like maybe don't put a trailer out if you're not done, if you're not, you Even know, close to- <laughs> 75% done with, with the game. But I guess maybe it's also to keep them in line and, and uh, keep them accountable that once the, once the public knows, they're not going to let you forget. So and, I don't know. And indie game developers are a different breed as we talked about, you know, in our last episode, what defines an, an indie game you know they i would imagine they don't want to be pushed they want to make their video games you know and so yeah i don't know it's interesting so basically what i've learned thus far is that making a game is hard and expensive yeah so appreciate what you play everybody and so speaking of which i can't stand submerged <laughs> segue uh, i i will be honest and i will be uh, yeah I, I will be honest i will be fair and i haven't because i've, ha- I've been really busy with work i haven't been able to play as much as i would like to however already i feel like uh did you ever play the first assassin's creed uh not like i only had like i didn't i didn't finish it i had well okay, but if, if you played it then you probably re- realized how repetitive it is oh yeah and that's that's exactly how submerged feels only even less polished it just and i don't know i I hate being this critical of a game uh just because of all the stuff we were just saying you know i want to be respectful of the art but it, it feels like i have a lot of um frame rate drops and like cuts in the in the frame rate I've noticed. Um, and it's just a lot of climbing right now. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, it's no disrespect. There's just a lot of things that go into making a good game, you know, yeah. and some things just don't work, you know, um, combat free, cool. But then you're just what, walking around and looking at stuff? Yeah. And it takes place on this. And if you concept- can't get that right. <sighs> yeah. The concept takes place or the concept is that you're, I think, a sister and brother. You play the sister and your brother's really sick and you have driven your boat to this like sinking island or sinking city where uh, the majority of, of the buildings are underwater. And um, you have to just search around all the other buildings to find stuff for him. And um, and that's just it's really boring. Like it's just you climb it and then you get to the box and then the box has the medicine Yay. and there, it's, it's very cutscene heavy. And that's really my time is precious to me. So if I'm going to invest it into video games, which, you know, I want to do better be worth my time. Yeah. But there was I wasn't I, I wasn't sure if I was alone in this area, but I will hint that I might not be alone in this area. So there could be potential for it to get better. But right now, I'm really not pumped about it. Hmm. So approach with caution. And everything that I've read about it has said it's a polarizing game that you'll either really like the repetition of it or you won't. It's kind of spendy to me. 20 bucks. I mean, it's not a lot, but yeah, well, yeah, it's a it's either 15 or 20 and that that gets up there. Anything, I think anything over 15 is when it's like, I really start to question. Yeah. Um, But uh, so you've been playing Relic Hunter Zero. I was just checking this out. Um, Yeah, it's a free game on Steam. And I was like, hey, why not? Uh, It looks kind of, you know, in the art style I liked and uh, the game style. It's it's I really only have maybe three hours, two to three hours into it. But it's cool. It's uh, it's worth the price of free. Definitely. (laughs) Which, you know, some games aren't. And uh, (laughs) 
it's it's a round based game. Uh, you level up your weapons, and uh, there's you know different types of weapons: e- easy, medium, hard uh, type. And depending on what you use, uh, type of damage it does, and really need to change depending on what you're fighting. Uh, the enemies get harder, you know, as rounds go on, and, and it is repetitious. But I found it entertaining, you know, in the way of like zombies is repetitious, you know, in Call of yeah. Duty. But you know, I love playing it, so it right. worked for me. Uh, some of the stuff or one of the things I didn't like is uh, uh, there's a lot of off-screen enemies and they shoot you and all of a sudden uh, there's like yeah. a barrage of bullets just like right on you. So some sort of That's, indicators, you know, for that would, would be helpful. For sure. Yeah, it looks really neat. So uh, yeah, I see somebody, uh, the person has a, a, a keytar. And that's their weapon, it yeah. looks like. And it's and it's shooting lasers out. That looks pretty rad. Yeah, there's some really cool, you know, I haven't unlocked any of those cool weapons yet, but <laughs> I know I will. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's what I like these games, the, you know, the chance to unlock all these cool weapons. Yeah, so it's, it's by Mark uh, Venturelli, and he also made Chroma Squad, which looks kind of like Power Rangers almost. Mm, never played it. Yeah, well, it just, it just says it on his website. <laughs> um. Uh, I did see that Ga- that Don't Starve is coming to Xbox One. That's really exciting. I wonder if the multiplayer is going to be coming to consoles soon. I hope so. It's I I played a little bit of it on PC. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a it was a good game. It was scary by yourself. It was, yeah, it was pretty scary actually. And then I also read that um cuz PlayStation 4 is doing that thing now where you vote for the free games of the month, um which is which is kind of a cool concept. I I don't know how I feel about it. I think I guess I just kind of I think that it leads to more com- I, I guess I could see it go either way is leading to more complaining because it's like well somebody made the decision that I it's like vo- I mean voting for anything be it a president or you know anything it's kind of like well I didn't vote for that it works for me most of the time on Steam you know when the Steam sale hits and they oh they, yeah they vote for and you get your games up there I mean I, they're always cool games I like so I'm like I think it'll be rad no that's a really good point I didn't think I didn't even think about that that's a good point yeah so this month I think for PlayStation for for the PlayStation Plus members, it's it's like they're listening to our podcasts, people. It's um Grow Home by Ubisoft, the indie like Ubisoft game um by a non indie developer, um as well as uh, Super Time Force, which I know Josh you really liked as well. Yeah, that was a pretty good game. Yeah, I have that on Xbox One. It's really fun. Is that multiplayer? Do you know? It. I don't think it's been a while since I played it. I don't think it was multiplayer because it was just yourself playing those, you know, whatever five different characters and switching through them. Yeah, that's true. That was a really fun game. If if you have a PlayStation um, and you don't have an Xbox One or a, or a PC, that because I think it's on PC as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and you don't have a PC that can run it, but you have a PlayStation, I definitely recommend it. It's a, it's really fun. It's really funny too. It has really, really fun humor. Yeah. They pull a lot from the eighties and whatnot. Yeah. And you can play as like a, a Velociraptor and that's really rad. Also one of my personal favorite games that, uh, kind of took me by surprise and how much I like it. 50 Cent <laughs> Die Tron. <laughs> no. Um, I saw this article about him and I was like, what happened to him? He essentially was like, he used to be so great and now he's not. Yeah, he was um, like at the top, like like one of the like best rappers. And yeah, now, and then, now, and then he now made he's a, a like, joke of a butt. Now he's well, and then he because he made so much money off of like vitamin water for a while. And then he sold it and it was like super rich. And then he had to do like a class action lawsuit or not lawsuit. Um, bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. Yeah. I didn't mean, I don't know why I said lawsuit. Um, but That's, those are the things people are doing to him. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, MMOR Goats will be out for the Xbox One on August 26th. So in two days, uh, Goat Simulator will all get a Goat MMO Simulator DLC as well as the Goat Z uh, DLC. So you'll have MMO style goats as well as zombie goats. Did you ever play that on the phone? I saw it released on the phones. I didn't know. If oh, it was really? Any, yeah. It was no, I didn't play it. I played it on Xbox. It was a lot of fun. It looks like fun, but I was like, I don't know about it on the phone. Yeah. Well, that's how I felt about um, Agario or Agario. On PC, it's a blast. On your phone, it's difficult and it's it it doesn't it doesn't bode well with um with your fingers controlling it with like a touch screen what it does, just doesn't what does bode mean bode well isn't it mean like it doesn't i don't know go well <laughs> no now <good>. i feel <laughs> now i feel all self-conscious doesn't yeah okay no, I, I definitely i don't even uh, know let's see let's find out <laughs> it, it probably doesn't i mean i go like well. well i i i'm like positive that i like said it correctly but there have been other times or have mixed words together. Like I said, I wanted to say... I make up words all the time. I accidentally said mandible instead of like... It's like another word for maneuverable. But I accidentally said mandible and that's a bone in your face. <laughs> uh, let's see. Didn't bow well just means something didn't go over too well. Oh, cool. So it, yeah, it's just it didn't go well. Bode. I wonder what the root... Yeah, well, that's, that's from... Um, Boating. Yahoo Answers. So let's go to EnglishBaby.com. <laughs> let's go to Wikipedia. Yeah. Wikipedia, what a great source. Bode means, bode well means a good sign encouraging. So basically if it... Uh, be an omen of a particular outcome. Huh. So it Foreshadow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. You did use it right. <laughs> yeah so we should we should file this in the educational podcast section because we, two we taught a lot. one time i know right pretty much our <laughs> listeners will be able to make an indie game after this and have a great vocabulary and that's really all we need um you guys are getting a full episode bt dub yeah i know good for you i think that's it for me unless there's anything else that you wanted to talk about no i'm good um we can try to off. think of uh do we have well, an official sign off thing not yet i don't know do you want to do you want to make one up maybe next time yeah <laughs> Until next time, that'll maybe, that should that should be ours. Maybe next time will be our thing. I'm trying to think of anything really else. Cheesy, Keep an eye. Really cheesy ones. <laughs> I'm I'm just starting to get caught up on work and everything, so I'm going to be using this the next couple of weekends to start planning out extra life stuff, um, and then we'll start streaming it. Um, so start uh, start sending in, uh, tweeting us at the Ghost Volta. Or go to ghostvolta.com or on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash ghostvolta. And like, let us know and like, and like totally let us know, but uh, let us know what games, what indie games you'd like to see us stream for uh, Extra Life. And um, I'll start setting up uh, some tiers. So when you donate, depending on the amount, it'll enter you into a raffle to win maybe a game, maybe a shirt, maybe a Ghost Volta shirt, perhaps. A digital screenshot of my computer. Oh, um, maybe we can even work on um, a extra life exclusive shirt design. That could be something we could try. But uh, I mean, we have some really cool shirts anyway. So um, we'll have some multiple stuff, and then we'll try to get some games and some other cool things to give away Sounds to good. encourage people to to to, to donate. And then uh, keep an eye out on ghostvolta.com for some uh, coverage for PAX Prime. So we'll uh, we'll see what what's going on at the indie mega booth and all that stuff like that. And uh, on that but, note, uh, 
on that note until next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. See ya.